This episode is not about pirates, but it is about two people who have found that playing by the rules is for the birds. Because for this merry duo, the rules of not only life, but activism too, have left them feeling on the outside time and time again. Being a person of color in America comes with inherent challenges, and adding LGBTQ identity to this compounds a lot of social issues. And so, in a way, much like the fearless sea rulers of yore, the subjects of this episode have carved out a space for themselves and others like them, and in doing so, they've created a vibrant, powerful, and unique support network for queer people of color. I'm Rick Lewis, and you're listening to Way Out, the show about LGBTQ folks living in Alabama. In this episode, Anastasia brings you Black Pearl. Tori and Shante Wolfsisson were the first same-sex couple to get married in the state of Alabama in 2015. They camped outside of the Montgomery Courthouse so they could be the first LGBTQ couple to marry in Alabama state capitol. The two of them are amazing advocates for queer folks of color in Alabama, and I got to meet with them at the Smithfield Public Library in Birmingham to hear about a story less told. They told me about where they are in life right now a period of recovery from several years of working in LGBTQ advocacy. Tori and Shantae now live in Birmingham and call Alabama home, but Tori was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. When she was young, her mother got sick, and she learned to be self-sufficient early on. She would drive her mother's car around Las Vegas to get to school at the age of 14. I have a mom who was driving down the street one day and her leg stopped working, and so now I'm driving a 19. 82 Ford F100 that stops in the middle of the street from the west side of Las Vegas to the mountainous, quite wealthy side of Las Vegas and trying to make sure that people don't know that that's what I'm doing because that's illegal. That really molded a lot of my creative ways of just maneuvering about the world. My dad is the first black optometrist in the state of Nevada. I saw him on purpose four times. My mom made sure that I was in ballet, tap, jazz, equestrian, competitive swimming, synchronized swimming, ice skating, acting, modeling. I was a Huggies baby. I used to model ski wear. And she made sure that like I had everything that I need educationally. However, emotionally, I didn't get that because we were always in survival mode. When she died, I didn't even get to grieve. I went to school. Shantae grew up in Augusta, Georgia. I was adopted at the age of eight. Didn't have the best time in CPS. I think I sort of was always set apart in a way that I had to fend for myself. I remember having to walk to school early. It wasn't that long of a walk, but I was like also like four and like handling walking in areas in my hometown where there weren't really any sidewalks. And I was the black sheep in my fam because of reasons that I didn't learn until later on in life. But because it didn't make sense to me, I just thought everybody was just mean. So I think I learned early how to respond to things in more of a mature way. So I think that my idea of adolescence is far different from others uh, because my adolescence was full of learning life lessons very early. She was adopted by a woman in Augusta and had several other adopted siblings. I moved into this new house with this woman, she's a PE teacher. It was weird growing up, we were fairly Christian, church 
was a mandate in my house, wasn't any nays about it. That led to a lot of issues. The neighborhood that I lived in, it wasn't well off. Everyone around us was Section 8, and we were like probably like right over the line of like being okay. And so in school, even though there really wasn't a difference, maybe a, a paycheck or take the job to be lost for everybody to be on the same level, people still saw us as being like bougie. And so I was bullied a lot um, in middle school because I talked white and I don't have any cliche stories about, you know, middle school fun because like I was bullied all middle school. And there was the piece about, you know, people saw that I was gay before I knew it. Shantae was 14 when she realized she was gay and she was having trouble focusing in school. I came out to my mom on Christmas Eve when I was 14 years old. I didn't plan it, but I was getting fussed at because I had a C on my report card and I hid it from her because I wanted, there was something that I wanted that she was gonna buy me. Uh, and so she was like, what is this? You know, you gotta see what's going on. Must be the devil. And I was like, I'm gay. And she was like, what? And she, I was like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's the reason for my grades slipping. I'm, I'm gay, okay? She got quiet. And she was like, follow me. So we walked. For some reason, she takes me outside to come back into the garage. And she's like, okay, I want you to say that you're no longer gay in the name of Jesus. She made Shantae say it again and again, and Shantae agreed. And there was this internal homophobia that was brought up in her from this experience that made her feel like she had to change. In the interview, Shantae said that she put herself through a conversion therapy of sorts. There is always this notion that if you didn't pray hard enough, that's the reason for your demise, or that's the reason why you're not doing good. That's all I was taught, and that's, you know, that was all I, I was told when I kept saying, like, hey, I, I like girls. I, I would say that to like the minister, and she would always talk to me like, is that homosexuality something you're still dealing with? I had to be strong early because I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there that can relate to this, but imagine being 13, 14, every Sunday, somebody's talking mess about you. Or every Sunday, somebody's going to your mom and saying, why is Shantae and uh, I'm gonna call her Betty. That's not a real name, but. Why is Shantae hanging with Betty after church? Why is Betty going to Shantae's basketball games? In either 10th or 11th grade, I founded a chapter of um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes at my high school, because I thought that I was gonna witness to everybody else so that I could find myself and my true self and relinquish myself from this lesbianism, clearly, right? Didn't work. Actually, I felt at my lowest. And, and it was in high school in 12th grade where I was finally like, you know what, I'm out. This is me. After Shantae came out more confident in herself, she moved to Savannah and started attending college at Savannah State. She had a part-time job at an Applebee's. And when she came home to do laundry one weekend, her mother snapped, said she'd had enough. And I came home and she's just like, you know what? I can't with you and you are, this is too much and you're being disrespectful. And that is how I got to Alabama because she told me I had to leave at that moment. And so I packed a bag and I had maybe like my last check from Applebee's and my sister was just so happy to come back for the semester at Tuskegee. And that's how I got here. 
Now, Tori was already in Tuskegee at school getting her undergraduate degree. She found out about the school through her cousin. In high school, Tori wanted to be a veterinarian. One of my cousins was like, oh yeah, you should go to Tuskegee. And I was like, what is that? But I didn't know that Tuskegee had a veterinary science program. I found out, I was like, oh no, I'm going. I'm absolutely going. I had an amazing time. I'm not a veterinarian, majored in history. Tori started throwing parties in Tuskegee, invitation-only events in her apartment where people talked about queerness and identity and a whole lot of other things. Shantae's sister was actually a friend of Tori's, and she invited Shantae along to one of Tori's parties. Shantae is beautiful and amazing and asking me all these questions, and we, like, hit and miss and hit and miss, like, twice before we actually talked and then followed up with each other and then continued to follow up with each other. They dated for a while and ended up moving in together. And Tuskegee was a difficult place to live. In Tuskegee, we were dealing with this dynamic that, you know, they <laughs> gay what? They ain't even trying to touch that. When the marriage ruling happened in 2015, Tuskegee didn't even open the courthouse. It was closed. That's what that's what that's all they got to say about that. To add to that, Shantae had a lot of trouble finding a job. She thinks it was largely due to her appearance. Shantae is dapper, dresses masculinely, and feels most comfortable when she does, but that's something that she had to sacrifice. I couldn't get a job anywhere dressing the way I did. Retail was not having me. I had to be hyper femme almost for at least two, what, two years here to find a job. I, I wasn't myself. I literally was not myself, and I had to do that for our financial security. Every place that she went, she would go for hours, hours, walking up and down like places looking for, looking. I worked in a, in a plaza, so I would see people when they were going in to apply because I saw their papers, and I'd see them a few days later with their new name tags. But these same places, Shantae is going every day, day in and day out, walking, like with her resume, with all of the things that she's done. And she's done amazing stuff when she was in school. Nobody is calling her back. Literally from Auburn, Tuskegee, Montgomery, and really from Opelika to Montgomery, nobody was calling her back. It was terrible because her sister is living her queerest life down the street in Tuskegee, having, you know, girlfriends, folks that she's, like, kicking it with, living with, and Chante's getting no support from their mom. But her mom, she's got a car. She's paying for her rent, all these things. But Chante is living her truest life and has no support. Every time she gets on the phone, her mom's telling her how she should be ashamed of herself. When Tori went to Tuskegee and was working in the city, obviously she was dressing more feminine, so like men, you know, for whatever their own personal reasons, it was easier for them to deal with her. So, you know, she got to do a lot, and that's because she's good at what she does, and also because she was easier to deal with with her queerness. Now me, I'm not about to put on a dress for you. And at the time that I did, like, I guess when I would still talk to men, my masculinity would come out anyway, and it made them uncomfortable, and they didn't know what to do with me. And I'm not, and I'm not down for you and your misogyny and your and your your creepiness. You'd think that when Tori and Shantae found employment outside of Tuskegee and organizations that advocate for LGBTQ folks, this lack of acceptance would dissipate. But that wasn't the case. The environments they found themselves in didn't have room for them, blocked them out. 
made them feel like they had to erase parts of themselves. Birmingham is a pay-to-play place. It's all about your last name, what you did, where you came from, not what you can do. There was no place for us, frankly. Hey, maybe that'll change in the future, but that, that wasn't our experience then. Almost all the time being around people of wealth. Of course, we're in the South, so racism don't go away no matter where you live on the intersection. So uh, a lot of the time, if it wasn't her being mistaken as a volunteer, even though she was the organizer, uh, people thought I was a waiter. When we went to more national things, people would purposely ask for, basically got me to get up from tables at these things. It's like working for someone that constantly tells you that you are not enough. The dynamic of LGBTQ identity being so associated with wealth and whiteness that if you're not that, if you're not wealthy, if you're not white, if you're not part of that space, and you're not. You can't assimilate to whiteness. Right. No, and that's not even and as a black person. Try. It's just like you, you can't, can't assimilate to whiteness as a person of color. Like in those spaces in Alabama, those LGBT spaces, you're always going to be an outcast. No matter they can, it's like they can smell it. You know. They felt that people didn't take them and their backgrounds seriously. At one point, after they got married, one of their colleagues tried to introduce them to each other. You know, I can go off on a limb and say that I don't think that there is anyone else in the U.S. with the last name Wolf Sisson. There's only three Wolf Sissons, and one of them is a book that was written in 1883, Francis Wolf Sisson, and it's the book's interesting. If you're out there, <laughs> hello, let's talk, because I want to know what's going on. But the, she literally was like in an email, oh my God, I think you should meet. And then when we got in public, she did it again. It was like, do you guys know each other? Yeah, it's my wife. And she was just like, oh, oh, oh wow. The work that they did also put them in physically threatening situations. During the interview, Shantae recalled a time that she was being followed at work. And then you tell your job you're getting followed and they basically give you a super loud whistle. Like that's really gonna do something. Remember the Neopets? It was basically that. And if you pull it, it was like whoop whoop. Like kinda loud, not even that loud. But that's, these are organizations that if someone, that was not of color said that they didn't feel safe. I can almost guarantee that they would get more than a whistle or a, a small alarm. The things that we're doing in the name of justice are often dangerous. This work was physically, mentally, and emotionally dangerous, and it slowly started eating away at them as individuals and as a couple. In the daytime, being around people that probably make no less than 70,000, cumulatively or by themselves. And having to not talk, talk about the fact that actually no, like on my block, the water main just burst and our water is probably gonna be out for a week or something like that, like that's a possibility for me. We were in spaces a lot where talk about stuff like that was not good or flattering. Uh, it actually hurts your opportunity for advancement or getting development for your career. That was the environment that she stepped into. Obviously that, that mind screw can alter things in your own personal life, and it did. And so for our personal lives, we started saying things to each other that were not in love. We started, we started talking about divorce. And that's not, that's not what we got here for. This, that's not, we know that we love each other. We know that we care about each other. We know that we're, Shantae's my everything. 
but the we weren't communicating like that we weren't talking to each other like that we weren't sharing space like that we were fighting the world and then coming home and fighting each other because it hurts more to say that you know what this is this doesn't feel good when i leave outside it hurts more to do that than it does to just be angry at everybody and everything this type of work if you're not grounded and if, you're, if you don't know who you are as a person, let alone as a couple, it'll eat you up. And we got ate up a little bit in the beginning. And we turned into people that we didn't recognize as a couple. And we had to put our foot down. And they did. They left their jobs and eventually they teamed up to start their own organization, one that advocates for people on their own terms. It's called Black Pearl. Here's Shante. It came from a very ugly place. It came from seeing that there were things that needed to be fixed and the people and the powers that be in this state aren't doing what they're supposed to be in the, in the amount of time that it needs to be done. Black Pearl looks like everything that when I got to Alabama and I needed as far as resources or fun, that is what we want it to be. Our official mission statement is that we're an organization dedicated to providing learning and leisure opportunities for black, brown, indigenous, queer, and trans women that live at or below the poverty line in Alabama. And so I want to create opportunities for people to be able to move up. People in D.C. can't relate to the way I grew up. Everything that I've learned is self-taught and from the streets. What you learn is from a classroom and from you going to a lot of conferences that cost almost $2,000. Right now, Tori and Shante both work for Black Pearl. I, I love it, like, <laughs> working for myself at this young of age is weird because a lot of my peers are still graduating, and I guess they just don't understand what it means when you say you work for yourself. They're like, oh, I guess, but like, most people, when they say they work for themselves, my age mean they just a SoundCloud rapper. No shade, but like, they're an unsuccessful SoundCloud rapper. You know, I'm not, talk, I'm not throwing shade on su- successful SoundCloud rappers, but that's usually what that means. It means, Loki, you ain't doing nothing, and I have been. And I think Black Pearl has jump-started a lot of radical healing. According to their website, Black Pearl seeks to grow and nurture a strong sense of community among transgender and queer women in the American South through social gatherings. They believe that strengthening a kinship network among queer women in Alabama will cause change that ripples across the American South. Black Pearl also seeks to provide that emotional, the emotional healing spaces. We don't want to do this anymore. We want this to be the last revolution. We want this to be the last time that we have to explain to our kids why they should wear certain things when they walk outside. We want this to be the last time. So the last two years have had many milestones. They've left toxic work environments. They've created their own advocacy group. They're learning to do more than survive. They're learning to live. And they're extending that opportunity to people of color in the queer community on their own terms. I know you probably get the gist of this. It's probably turned into a story of reconciliation and love and healing and spirituality. But that's what the last, 2016 on up has been. This piece was produced by Anastasia Titorinko and me, Rick Lewis. A big thanks to Tori and Shante Wolf-Sisson for being a part of this and for all the work that they do in Alabama. 
If you as a listener would like to learn more or donate to Black Pearl, please visit their website at www.blkpearl.org. Our theme music is All the Colors in the World by Poddington Bear. Other music used was Tumble Down, Dunes, Up, 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 Lens Flare, Solemn Oath, and Indian Paintbrush by Poddington Bear, who also did our credits theme, Collocate. Special thanks to Dr. Rebecca Ballard, Andrew Grace, Chip Brantley, Allie Thomason, Maddie Lewis, the University of Alabama Honors College, and the Sanford Media Center. If you like what you heard today, share this with someone you know. You can find our page on Facebook at Way Out Alabama Podcast. Please like us, share us, and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening.